You're here, which means that you've found spirit crumbs, leading you to your inner light worker. I will be sharing how these tiny little hints from the universe have led me to where I am today. I hope that by hearing my story and the stories of others, you'll pick up your own spirit crumbs along the way that will lead you to somewhere magical. Thanks for coming along for the journey. Let's see where it takes us. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spirit Crumbs. I am your host, Andrea McCallum, and I am an artist and a healer. So today we are on week two of The Artist's Way, and the theme is Recovering a Sense of Identity. So the chapter starts off by talking about how trusting our creativity is very new, and so it takes a while for us to start getting into a smooth rhythm with this. It talks about how it might seem kind of erratic at first, and it's kind of like you know, we're getting unstuck. So we might do really well. And then all of a sudden have a rough patch where we're not doing some so great. And that's totally fine. That's expected. Part of the, the patterning for this that Julia Cameron talks about is that as we gain strength, it actually makes it so that we have these doses of increased self-doubt at the same time, because we're taking a big action sometimes by doing something out of our routine. And then that makes us question like, why am I doing this? Because it feels unnatural to us. She uses the example of alcoholism where like, you just have to avoid taking the first drink and getting past that. And so she says that in this case, it's avoiding the first think. Instead of letting that first self doubt be the thing that you just run away with and go with it and trust it, you start really thinking more about why you're having that thought or trying to determine if that's true or not. And part of the process of this goes back to what we talked about in the first chapter in the sense of safety, where we have to really consider that avoiding this self-doubt is going to be hard on its own without including other people in it. So again, not showing people your morning pages, that's like your diary, you're not going to be showing that to people and that it's actually self-sabotage if you feel the need to share that with people, especially people who you think might be critical of it, because then you're more likely to take that to heart. It's better to, as she says in this chapter, to have safe companions around, and she calls it toxic playmates, like anybody who would not really be supportive. So anybody who you know is already a little bit judgmental or critical of other people, prob anybody who's negative and becomes poisonous is probably also blocked in their creativity and feeling threatened because anybody that's genuinely supportive of you and really wants to see you do well and is not, and is already doing what they're meant to be doing and feels comfortable with themselves is not going to try to make you feel bad. That's just something that you have to be aware of. And sometimes it's well-meaning doubts. She calls this like more subtle sabotage where somebody starts saying maybe like you're, why are you being different? Or just saying like, do you really think this is going to work out? And it comes across very well-meaning, very subtle again in, in its tone. It's not somebody just outright saying like you're being selfish. Like that's something that might come up too, where it's more obvious somebody telling you you're being selfish and you've changed all of those things. But it's the more subtle ones that you really have to look out for because 
they aren't really something that you feel immediately offended by. So it might be something that you start to think sounds more logical because it's coming as a very calm and reasonable question. Something that she talks a bit a lot throughout the whole book is that the great creator, so whatever you call it, I usually refer to that as source or the universe, but the great creator gifted us creativity. That is a gift that was given to us, and we have to take that as something to honor. We really can't let people squander our time that we're meant to be spending on that or making us feel guilty for doing it because it's something that we were given for a reason. We're meant to do something with it. We can also think of ourselves as we take these steps into doing more creative things and following our dreams that we're actually being an example for others. So we can't let their fears really derail us because then somebody else that needs to see you doing it won't be able to see it. Something that she says, like a quote from this chapter is, draw a sacred circle around your recovery. Give yourself the gift of faith. Trust that you are on the right track. You are. So this helps you focus a little bit more on the process instead of the end result. It really helps you realize that it is something sacred. Again, it's a gift that was given to you and you wouldn't be having these dreams if they weren't meant for you. The people that are the ones trying to derail you, she calls crazy makers in this. And so I consider this also equivalent with energy vampires, people who just take away energy from you and prevent you from being able to do what you want to do. And often these in this particular situation, these crazy makers or energy vampires are sometimes other artists. It can be difficult to really not listen to what they're saying because they may seem to either have more experience or they may you may see them as someone who's more creative but they also are very just dramatic people who have a lot of problems and they really want to be the center of attention so for example if there's a group of friends there might be somebody that really demands that everyone else acts like the supporting cast and like they are the star of the show that's the example she gives here in the book and this is all about power, right? It's about holding on to the attention and being the person who gets to call the shots. This may really be some someone who shows up right when you have a really important deadline or you have something that's going really well for you. They all of a sudden will just show up with a problem that they need you to solve for them or they may have something that is distracting for you, that they know you can't resist. They also will go and do those things like asking you questions that cause you to doubt yourself. That is really common, especially in the first little while, which is why finding the sense of identity is so important before you start sharing with other people. Some of the actions that she lists that these people might do is that they're the ones who break deals and destroy schedules. Everything has to be on their schedule. So if they know that like Monday nights you have a course for painting and they choose one Monday to tell you they have a crisis that they absolutely need your help with, that's somebody who is not going to be very supportive and is probably not great for you to be interacting with a lot when you're in this initial stage of finding your identity and really reclaiming your creativity. Other things such as expecting special treatment, 
needing you to cater or to them or accommodate them and consider them when you're trying to decide what to do for yourself. Discounting your reality or violating your needs, saying things like, I know whatever your boundary might be, you know, you need your own time now, but, and then trying to explain why that comes first, whatever they want. They spend your time and money, so these people might just actually take a lot of your resources from you to leave you with less to do for yourself. They also triangulate, so they may set people against each other, and this is a distraction technique so that they actually don't end up getting blamed for causing the drama. You see the other person as the enemy and vice versa. They are also expert blamers, and so making something your fault and gaslighting you, even though they're the ones that were that started it. And people who just are chaotic. So if you live with someone who's a crazy maker, they may like know that you need the dining room table to work and you have everything set out, and then they just put all their stuff on top of it. Or if you say you have a, a Zoom meeting and you need a room to be tidy and you finish tidying it and then like the next day you come home from work expecting to have this space and they've been there all day and they have dishes and stuff all over the place and you don't have much time to clean up. Things like that also are very common. And then they deny actually being the one who's causing the drama. They say that you're just overreacting or that you're being unfair or that you're not seeing that they need your help, any of those things will come up. But the purpose of purpose of us having those people around and keeping those people around is self-sabotage. And because deep down there's that fear that, again, we talked about in the safety uh, episode last, that it's our fear of what might happen if we're able to move forward and we're able to start doing these creative things. And so staying blocked feels more safe. So if we have someone else around that's preventing us from doing it, we can have that as our crutch, our reason for not moving forward instead of setting a boundary and choosing ourselves. Something that she mentions in here is actually if this is someone you live with and something that you can't avoid, like it's not like some distant friend that you can just say you're busy to, if it's someone you who's in your immediate circle, you may have to look into some support around codependency and start doing some research on that because it might actually be more intense than it first seems. It may not be only affecting your creativity. And then skepticism is another, I guess, theme that comes up in this chapter because it's all about these like the secret doubt that we have so even though we might be trying to say to ourselves or others that we are going to be more creative we're going to do this thing there if we don't believe that it makes it really hard to follow through with our actions instead of stuffing down these bits of skepticism and doubt when they come up we really need to explore them and think about why we feel that way and really start to look at it from a sense of curiosity. This might start out by like you start doing your morning pages and then you see things actually happening that are positive around you. Like maybe you're doing all the right things. You're taking yourself on artist dates. You're feeling the well, you're getting inspired. And then maybe an opportunity comes up or some synchronicity start to happen. And then you say, oh, they're just coincidences and you don't follow through on them. That 
is something that might happen if you don't really believe things, if these doubts are coming up and you're trusting them without exploring them. And again, that goes back to not thinking the first think. But once you admit those creative desires out loud and you start to really take action on them, those synchronicities will show up. And as you know, this is called spirit crumbs for a reason. That's actually something that I am the strongest at, I would say, in terms of like manifesting or moving forward or doing something that I want to do. It's a lot harder for me to just come up with something to do or think of the original idea. But if I get inspired by something, then I'm actually pretty good at following through or at least acknowledging it and sitting with it. Not everything that I'm inspired by is something I'm meant to do, but I'm pretty good at at least being curious and seeing where that's leading me. And so letting yourself turn those away, especially when it's an opportunity that comes up, like a class related to something you're talking about or thinking about, and then choosing not to follow through with that, I think those are also self-sabotage because you know that there's a reason it's showing up. And sometimes it's hard to trust those. The synchronicities, again, might seem more like just coincidences, but we have to realize that like it wasn't there yesterday. It's there today after I said I wanted to do this. So maybe there's something there that I need to explore. And it may seem really challenging to do this, but that's like anything that's change, right? Change is always difficult to deal with, whether it's good or bad, because it's asking us to see our life and see ourselves in a new way. So it does take some time to actually find the flow in that, but it's taking that constant action that really makes a difference. For example, like when we're first starting out, we may shut our doors to everything that comes up and really do our best to keep it out because it's scary. But then the more we do inner work, the more this triggers outer change. This is something that she talks about here. And I think if you've done any kind of healing work or any sort of spiritual work where you're actually doing some inner work to change yourself and change your beliefs about yourself, you will see the world around you shifting. And this is just natural that in creativity, this would happen too. When you're choosing to work towards a dream, you really have an opportunity to maybe examine your beliefs and you don't need to force yourself to change them right away, but just being open-minded and thinking like, what, what, what if I do try this? What could possibly happen? And maybe then you will from seeing to believe by seeing changes happen, maybe your beliefs will shift and then it will become more natural to believe the new positive thing instead of the doubts being what we believe first. We may just recognize those as the inner sensor as we talked about in the last episode. Something that Julia Cameron brings up in this chapter is this myth that having an artistic life is just being aimless and just like, waiting around for things to happen, but that's really not realistic. Yes, we have to trust and go with the flow, but that involves following these spirit crumbs. And that's why, like I said, I talk about spirit crumbs so much because anything tangible that I can follow is still synchronicity. It's still like magical, but it's at least something concrete that I can do. I can follow up on that. I can take action and start seeing the change happen. If we're waiting around for something to just come to us without making any effort, it's going to be a lot harder in order for things to get started. Something that happens when 
you start to do that is that if you start to pay attention to the details around you, that's how you see the spirit crumbs <laughs> by like actually being aware and being open and expecting them to show up. Attention is something that she talks about a lot here because she talks about how attention is our way of connecting and surviving. So even when things are really difficult, if you're still noticing the little miracles that are around you and the little positive things, then that's going to really shift the way that you're viewing your situation, whether it's good or bad. A quote that I've always loved from this chapter is on page 53, and it says, the quality of life is in proportion always to the capacity for delight. The capacity for delight is in, is the gift of paying attention. So for me, this is really something that I also have made a habit for myself for a long time now is noticing little things. And I feel like that makes a difference for me in terms of being able to see the spirit crumbs too, because I'm not quick to dismiss things if they feel like a coincidence or a synchronicity, or if they catch my interest, I will usually explore those things. Something else she says is the reward for attention is always healing. She brings this up in the context of painful moments, you know, difficult times. Those little things are what make us realize we're not alone because we realize we're part of a bigger universe. We're part of the earth. We're connected to one another. She talks about going on walks and noticing things like the same cat that she sees all the time and watching its behavior. And she realized that being present is what's in common during all of these times when she notices these little things that really make her happy and bring her joy. And that attention is what leads her there. So again, paying attention to what's around you, it keeps you in the present and it keeps things from getting too overwhelming. Things, the three things I realized, uh, I was journaling about this the other day because I've been going for walks. It was one of the suggested activities for last week, but I've just been doing that more often. And I noticed I've lived in this neighborhood for a long time for, I guess, almost five years now, like four and a half years. And I've never really just walked in the neighborhood. I've walked around the city a little bit, like to different destinations, but not just through the residential neighborhood. And what I realized overall in the last few weeks of where I've been paying attention and where I've been noticing details is that there's three W's. There's walks, windows, and weather. So I notice what my mood feels like as the weather changes. I notice, I know what it looks like outside my window on a regular basis. So I notice when things are different. I notice, for example, it's fall, it's autumn here. And I notice a little bit more every day that the colors and the trees are changing. And that really just brings me joy. The same with when I go on walks, I notice who's left furniture at the end of their curb. If it's still there the next day, if people have just recently cut their grass, stuff like that. And it brings me joy in those little moments. And I feel like I've had a vacation almost if I go for a half hour walk and come home. On page 55, she has what she calls rules of the road for being an artist. And there's 10 of them. She says, in order to be an artist, I must, one, show up at the page, use the page to rest, to dream, to try. Two, fill the well by caring for my artist. 
Three, set small and gentle goals and meet them. Four, pray for guidance, courage, and humility. Five, remember that it is far harder and more painful to be a blocked artist than it is to do the work. Six, be alert always for the presence of the great creator leading and helping my artist. Seven, choose companions who encourage me to do the work, not just talk about the work or why I am not doing the work. Eight, remember that the great creator loves creativity. Nine, remember that it is my job to do the work, not judge the work. And 10, place this sign in my workplace. Great creator, I will take care of the quantity. You take care of the quality. And these go along the same themes of just taking actions and following what comes to you to inspire you and really trusting yourself. And that's kind of the ending for this chapter. And I just wanted to say something that I've noticed the more I've done this book is that it's not really always obvious how the theme for the week is showing up in the way that the chapter unfolds. So for example, identity. That's If I were to read the chapter without having the title, I wouldn't necessarily know that that was the theme. So it does actually take some, what I find really helpful is going through the chapter and then kind of reflecting and saying, okay, how does this impact my identity? How does this help me recover my identity? And often the tasks are helpful for that. But what I was thinking is the fact that even within those road, uh, that roadmap, you have to see yourself as a creative person and someone who is supported by the universe. Thinking about who you are without the influence of others. She talks about crazy makers for a chunk of this chapter, and there's a reason for it, because those are the people that prevent you from seeing yourself and developing your own identity. And then seeing where your actions don't support your dreams or don't support your creativity. Your actions are something that you choose, so why are you choosing to not spend time on that? And then really reflecting and saying like, which version is true? Which one is the real me? Is it the version that I'm working towards or this version in the past that really prioritized other people over myself? And then in terms of the tasks, there are quite a few this week, but probably the most productive for me this week was actually filling up my well. I did my artist date as just a night where I actually took out my watercolors and did a bit of painting. It wasn't to create a painting. It was just for fun, just to like get used to using the brushes again. And to fill my well, I actually watched the Netflix documentary series. It's a competition show called Blown Away, where it's glass blowing. And something I've always been fascinated by, again, I like anything with a lot of equipment that's a little bit dangerous. That's just what I like to do. And so I found it really inspiring seeing all of these different artists and how each of them took each challenge in a different way and they each worked differently. And that was really inspiring for me. For the activities and the tasks that are listed, one of them is to list the five major activities that you spent time on this week and really thinking about how much time you spent on them and then recognizing which ones were things you actually wanted to do versus things that you felt you should do and how much of the time was spent doing things for others versus yourself. And then creating a safety map circle where inside the circle you write the topics of things that you need to protect your time around 
that are important to you and then people that would be supportive of you doing those things. And then on the outside, those are people you do not want to spend time with right now or that you want to avoid. So for example, anybody who you thought of when I was talking about crazy makers, those are people that you need to keep outside the circle for the time that you're first developing your creativity. The next activity was to list 20 things you enjoy doing and then next to them, write down the last time you did them and then really consider this a good resource for artist dates. One of them is to have two items from the list as well that you list as goals and then take small steps to work towards doing them. And so even little bits of time, even if it means just like going out and picking the supplies one day that you need and then another day reading a little bit about how to do it again. If it's something easy, like if you really like baking cookies, then maybe it is just that you choose a day that you're going to do the baking and make sure you have the ingredients for it. Another one is to review your affirmations from last week and figure out which ones are still giving you the biggest reactions, whether they're feeling more exciting or whether they are ones that still intimidate you a little bit or that you don't feel like you're quite believing. And then writing them each three times in your morning pages before you get started and just maybe starting your morning pages, writing about how you feel about them. One of them is really fun too, which is to add five more imaginary lives. Now that you've had some time to think about the ones from last week, and maybe you've done a few activities to start feeling like you have one of those lives. And then kind of similar to the first one is the life pie where you draw a circle and split it into six. And then each piece of the pie has a topic. So spirituality, exercise, play, work, friends, and then the last one is romance and adventure. You put a dot in each of them to show how connected you are to that particular area of your life. So if it's close to the center, it's tiny, it's not something you spend a lot of time on. And if you're pretty good and you feel pretty fulfilled in that area, you can put it out towards the center. And then you connect the dots to see how jagged that looks, to see how unbalanced it is right now. And I would suggest doing this in a color and then redoing it every few weeks and using a different color so that you can see how it changes. And she said that it goes from usually being more of a tarantula to a mandala where it's very balanced. The another one is, that's fun is just 10 tiny challenges. So these are things that you've been meaning to do or things that you know would make a bit of a difference to your daily life that don't require a lot of effort, but you've just been avoiding. So like, do you need another pair, uh, set of sheets? Um, do you want to paint your room? Do you want to donate some items that have been sitting around? For me, one of the things that was on my list was putting up some removable wallpaper that I had. I only had one roll, so it wasn't enough to do a room at any time, but I put it up on this one little tiny section of wall that's at the end of my hallway that you see when you walk in. And then there's two little parts where an extra piece of wall just comes out like uh, above the doorways and I put the remaining little bits, I cut it all out and filled in two of those. That's kind of all I had, but something that I've had since probably 2014 or 2015 or something, I've had that role and I've moved it with me and I just never used it. And I found it when I was cleaning out my closet the week that I was doing the decluttering episode, I was actually decluttering and that's something I pulled out and used. I feel like that's 
kind of it for this week, but just really starting to look at how you feel. Again, that affirmations one is really strong because you're thinking about how you feel about saying out loud that you're an artist. This is really talking about looking what your biggest obstacles are right now. And most of it is how you spend your time, who you spend time with, and how those things impact who you are and how you feel your actions are matching your intentions. So you'll have to let me know how this week goes for you. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Spirit Crumbs. You can find me on Instagram for this podcast at Spirit Crumbs, or you can also find me at Concrete and Crystals for my own spiritual offerings and more tidbits about my own journey. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.